All right, let's uh, pray this morning before we get started. Dear God in heaven, we come to you asking that you would give us a heart of humility and a heart of compassion, but also a heart of discernment as we talk about these things, that we wouldn't talk about these things to somehow elevate ourselves in our minds, but we talk about these things to elevate your truth, um, to, to realize the power and the truth of the gospel, and to encourage us in our walk this day. Pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning, if you have read the email, you know we're going to talk about a transgenderism. Um, this is something that I want to talk about because I think it's important because it's the world in which we live in is just filled with all sorts of talk about transgenderism. And I want you guys to think about it um, this morning, at least, biblically. Um, this is, is just really uh, kind of a, a skim, a, a real quick, kind squint, a skim over uh, the issues of transgenderism and the idea of uh, what is a big biblical response to it. But really, I, I found myself <clears throat> wanting to get to a certain point uh, in this message, and I wanted to address something specific, but I never could get to that point because I couldn't get out of kind of the introduction to transgenderism. So uh, this week, we're going to kind of do just a few introductory basics, and then next week, we're going to talk about something uh, related to it that I think is very important. So this week, we're going to talk about kind of the terms, uh, you know, key uh, definitions that you need to know to understand uh, transgenderism, what they believe, what they think, why they think you should think, what they think. Um, and then we're going to look at some trouble that they have as well, some, some, some troubles that the transgender movement it has itself with itself, which I think are striking. And then I want to answer the question, um, what does the Bible have to say about transgenderism? Perhaps some of you would think like that's so new, the Bible doesn't say anything about transgenderism, but I think when you really understand what it presents, the truth it presents, you quickly see, and this is what you'll see today, you'll quickly see how the Bible interacts with transgenderism, and, and this is the case with everything. As you grow to understand it, you actually, and as you understand the Bible, you begin to see how the Bible responds. Uh, but I would say that the transgender movement has actually has actually put a finger on a problem in our world and in our culture. And that's something I want to talk about next week. My, my goal isn't necessarily uh, to talk to some mysterious trans person today. I am here to talk to you. And specifically next week, I want to be here to talk to you as well. There is a culture in our society of hating your body. And that's where transgenderism comes from. I hate my body. I'm discontent with my body. I'm confused about my body. And how should the Christian actually think about their body? It, it seems as though the, the transgender movement, at least, has revealed a culture that hates itself. And that is, that is kind of what you see in the transgender movement. So my question next week, this is kind of just to kind of let you know that I'm really excited about next week's lesson is to ask the question, what does Christ actually want from you and from your body? How does Christ want you to live in your body? And how does Christ want you to think about your body? Not only as a Christian, but as a created being, how does God, Christ, want you to think about your body? Now, perhaps you're thinking, Man, my body 
that gives me all the problems in my life. My body has all these weaknesses. My body is hindering me from all sorts of things. Matter of fact, it seems like if I could just get out of my body, everything would be great. And, and I want to suggest to you next week that perhaps that's not thinking biblically about your body. But that's next week. We're not talking about that this week. This week, we're just talking about uh, what is transgenderism and what is a biblical response to it. So come back next week if you want to hear about your body. Uh, I'm sure none of you do. Uh, So, uh, first off, let's go with terms and definitions of the transgender movement. Uh, You've probably heard the alphabet by now in your life, LGBTQ+. Uh, This movement is just everywhere. It is the popular, I would say it, uh, the popular movement of our time. And especially as of late, the T in LGBTQ is very, very prominent. Transgenderism, it's, it's the big deal. It, is, it considers itself the most oppressed of all oppressed peoples. So it gets all of these you know, minority oppression points. And that is why it is in such a favorable place. That somehow this movement has become very powerful because they have established themselves to the world as victims. In our world today, you are powerful if you are a victim. And that is what transgenderism has interpreted itself to be. We are just victims, and you're all haters. Uh, but what does LGBTQ stand for? This might be kind of rudimentary to some of you. This might be helpful to some of you. Uh, once again, I'm just trying to give you kind of a basic understanding of this whole entire movement, and particularly transgenderism. But what, is, what all these things stand for? The L in LGBT refers to uh, a lesbian, which is traditionally... Uh, a, a woman uh, who is attracted to another woman, a female attracted to a female. Um, the G in LGBTQ, gay, is referring to basically homosexuality as well, but it's, it's more on the lines of maybe a man attracted to another man. Uh, the B in LGBTQ is referring to bisexual, which is someone who is attracted to both sexes. And then the Q is someone who is attracted to, I think, anyone to any, uh, any form of identity. And then plus, you just fill in the blanks. And, and I could have fun, and I could do all this stuff about just making fun of all of, these, all of these identities that people have, but I don't really want that to be the heart and the spirit of what we're about here. You guys know enough. If you, if you know anything about how crazy this can get, you, you, can, you can have any identity you want in the world today and be accepted under this Umbrella, but notice I didn't talk about the T yet. The T stands for transgenderism, and what is what is somebody who believes that they are transgender? It is someone who believes, I think, simply that they are born in the wrong body. They say to themselves, "I am, I am a male on the outside, but I I feel like a a female on the inside. I do all these." Femaleish things. I'm, I'm interested in female activities. I have a female personality, whatever that is, and I I, I want to be a female. I am the, the the popular phrase is I am a I am a woman trapped in a man's body, which 50 years ago would have been ridiculous. Uh, but today, today in our world today, it is, it is common. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear it more and more and more. But where does that idea come from? What, what are they basing that on? Where do you get this sense that I am a, I am a female trapped in a man's body or I am a, 
a man trapped, trapped in a female's body. Where do you get this idea? It comes from this concept called uh, gender dysphoria. Um, and this is a definition from the American Psychiatric Association. Basically, you are discontent. It is an inward discontentment with your physical or, or the physical or social aspects of your sex. I am not happy being a woman, or I am not happy being a man. I don't like the parts of my body that make me feel like a man or a woman, and I would be much happier if I could get rid of them. That is gender dysphoria. I am, I am unexcited, depressed, downcast by the gender that my body tells me I should be. Um, and of course, this also, uh, uh, transgenderism also comes from an idea of uh, a rejection of the gender binary, which maybe you've heard before, but it's just this basic sense is we do not accept that there are only two gender, genders, that's binary, two, two of something. There is not just male and female. You could be anywhere on the spectrum. Maybe you've heard that before. I could be anything. I could be, I could be man and woman at the same time. I could, be, I could be a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body, but there is, no, there is no female or male. Everybody is just whatever they love. And that is basically their rejection of the gender roles. But then where, where do they get the sense then, if they're rejecting gender roles, where do they get even the sense that they are anything if you reject all of that? Well, where your gender comes from, according to transgenderism especially, your gender comes from what you feel, what you sense on the inside of you. Um, you may be assigned a sex at birth, and that's how they always refer to it as, as if the doctor just you know, catches the baby and says, which one should I choose? I have no reason to determine that this is a girl or a boy, so I'm just going to roll the dice and say, you're a girl. Uh, you, no, you're assigned to sex, and of course, we would say you're assigned to sex based on certain, you know, anatomical features, you know, biology, chromosomes. What I would say science would be, uh, we would say that's how you're assigned to uh, sex, but they'd say, no, no, it's very arbitrary. You're assigned to sex at birth, but that's not actually how your gender is determined. Your gender is actually determined uh, much, much further after, according to the experts. Um, gender is a perceived inner sense, a perceived inner truth about you. Um, by the way, ever, ever hear any, ever watch any movie, particularly a cartoon movie, where they refer to being true to yourself and being the authentic and real you. And how, you know, what really is important is that you're true to you. And now that was, that's been going on for years. And actually, that's been going on since like the 1800s, really, if you, if you want to argue it. But the current iterations of that that we see in movies and cartoons today is just like a fruit of a worldview constantly thinking this. I need to be true to the true authentic me inside of me. And we're really seeing that here in the transgender movement because that's how gender is determined. It is determined by who you are on the inside. The real you, it might be different than the outer you. Here's Planned Parenthood. For, for, for some reason, Planned Parenthood is an expert on determining gender because they always know your best. This is what they say. Uh, gender is much bigger and more complicated than assigned sex. Uh, gender includes gender roles, uh, which are expectations society and people have about behaviors, thoughts, and characteristics. I thought that was bad to uh, have expectations. 
but now they're saying that is what gender is, uh, that go along with a person's assigned sex. For example, ideas about how men and women are expected to behave, dress, and communicate all contribute to gender. It's all expectations. It's, it's all society pressing you into a mold saying this is what a woman is. This is what a man is. Um, gender is also a social and legal status as a girl and a boy and a man. It's easy to confuse sex and gender. Uh, just remember that biological or assigned sex is about biology, anatomy, and chromosomes. Gender, here's, here's the interesting part, gender is society's set of expectations, standards, and characteristics about how men and women are supposed to act. So that's different then you're assigned sex, that's gender, the society pressing you into its mold, so to speak. But you should determine what your gender is on your own. But notice this, and you'll probably notice this if you've ever had any interaction with transgenderism, the roles for male and female that they define male and female as are high, highly stereotypical, almost obnoxious versions of male and female. You are a female if you like lipstick, put on gobs of makeup, wear high heels that are higher than this. You know, it's just like you are an extreme version of that gender. That is how they assign roles by society standards. And actually, it's, it, it makes it a little bit extreme and intense, right? A woman is only just this external thing in their eyes based on an internal feeling and, and what he or she feels like they are. But how do you figure out who the true you is if the true you is about you inside of you and not about any goo on outside of you? Basically, uh, you have to go on a personal journey to, guess what, discover the true you. You should start taking your feelings seriously, saying, my feelings are speaking true to me. How long have I been feeling this way? That's, that's where my truth is found. You need to learn about what a, a trans person experiences. You need to go and speak to trans experts or therapists and figure out what it really is like to be a trans person and ask yourself, is that my experience too? You, you need to basically, though, uh, center your discovery in your feelings. Um, you need to imagine what it would be like to be in another body and say, man, does that give me joy? Then maybe I shouldn't uh, be me, I should be trans. And then maybe you should experiment with different clothes and other things like that. Now, I, I give you that list to just show how very external it is and how very, like, feelings-oriented it is. Do I just feel wrong or something? That is what they base it on. You just start acting like your preferred gender, and it is... It is thought by the trans community that that will bring you happiness and peace. And it may for a while, but we'll, we'll talk about it for, for a minute. But where does this kind of thought ultimately lead? This is where we see ourselves in, in today, today's world. What do you do if you figure out that I am a man caught in a female's body? Or, uh, more likely, because uh, uh, three out of four, I believe, uh, uh, trans people are actually males transitioning to be females. Uh, more likely, what do, I, what do I do if I feel like I'm a woman caught in a man's body? Well, then I start pursuing surgery and changing as many outer parts of my body to make me look more and more like a man or a female. And the thing about these surgeries, and we'll talk about these in a minute, these are pretty dangerous surgeries, pretty pretty uh, skill-requiring surgeries, uh, and they're, they're pretty irreversible surgeries. This is a massive life change that you are putting yourself through because you are convinced by your feelings that you are in the wrong body. And that's basically where it leads. But, but this brings us to what does, 
What does the trans community actually believe in? What is their source of truth? We, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, kind of joking yesterday, like, how could I communicate this? Should we do like the, the three pillars of Christianity? What are their three pillars? You know, their savior, their, their salvation, their scripture. I mean, it would be a little cheesy, but we can definitely say what, what probably in their mind their salvation, savior, and scriptures are. What, where is the truth from? It is from their heart. You believe in your heart. That's where your truth is found. If you, if you can find out your inner truth, then you can be true to you. Uh, there is never a notion in the trans community that perhaps you should change the inside of you to conform with the outside of you. It is always a sense, I've got to change the outside of me to conform with the inside of me. I need to change the more permanent side of me to conform to the more shifting and unstable part of me. How many of you have had emotions that have come and gone in the last year and shifted and changed? You've had one day where it's like, man, this is the worst day ever. I'm crushed. I'm just in despair. Anybody have any bad days in their life, right? And then, then you have another day, and it's not as bad as that. And you're like, oh, everything's great. Why was it so bad, right? Your emotions shift and change. Why would you make a permanent change based on a truth that is constantly shifting and changing? Now, I'm not saying that all trans people will stop feeling that way eventually. I'll show you in a minute. A lot of them will. But I am saying you are changing the permanent in light of the impermanent, the unstable. Doesn't that sound kind of sketchy to you? Sounds terribly dangerous to me. And... And that's kind of what we see. But the, the heart and soul of the trans movement is be true to the real inner you. Existence and meaning comes from how you feel about yourself. Your feelings are where truth is found. Yeah, once again, that sounds wise to our culture because we've been fed the lie that if I'm thinking it, it must be true. We, we've, we've been fed that lie for years, uh, decades, maybe even centuries. So that, that feels right to us, right? If it's true to me, it must be true. I, I refuse to accept the notion that a thought or a feeling I have inside of me should be refused. I should reach for everything that I desire. That is what our society has taught us. And that's why this kind of movement is the way it is today. But once again, that is a very unstable foundation to rest your life on. And some of you that have rested your life on your feelings know how unstable it is, right? I rest my life on the truth of God's word, and I find great emotional relief from that. It doesn't mean I'm always happy. It doesn't mean I'm always at peace. But it means I have stability in a very unstable world. And I have stability when my emotions don't feel so great. And that is a wonderful blessing. But I have got a question for you. What if the inside of you, the heart, the true, true you is wrong? What if the true you, in fact, is evil? What if the true you is dangerous to you? That's just a thought. We'll come back to that in a moment. But all to say, all to say that the transgender movement disregards the body. They say the body doesn't matter. They say the body is less. What you do to the body doesn't matter because it's just matter. What's really important is the inner you. The inner person, the inner heart. Does that sound familiar? We've been talking about all these you know, ancient, not-so-ancient uh, heresies, cults, and apostate groups. Remember the, remember the phrase Gnosticism? It's basically an ancient, an ancient uh, 
uh, understanding that, hey, my body doesn't matter. What I do to my body doesn't matter as long as my spirit is happy. If, if I can liberate my spirit from my body, that is preferred, right? My body doesn't matter, though. That, that is actually what we see in the transgender movement, a Gnosticism, a, an elevation of the inner person to the extent that you disregard the body. And what are you really doing when you're disregarding the body? You're disregarding your maker. That's what you're doing. You're saying, well, how God made me is wrong or doesn't matter. I need to be who I think I am, not who he has made me to be. So that's, the, that's kind of the kind of terms, definitions, if I could do that really quick for you. Um, any questions about that really quick before I jump to the next one? I, I went over that really quick, but any questions? Any dangerous questions that I don't know the answer to? Okay, well, maybe you have a question in a minute. Let's go to uh, terrible trouble facing the transgender movement. I would say they've got some real problems. Logically. Uh, socially. I, I, they, they've just got some real problems. And it's not just problems that I find in the Bible, because we're coming to the Bible later. I'm just saying problems with their reality. Like, if you, if you are thinking in these terms, you need to... You need to not just drink the Kool-Aid and believe what they're telling you. You need to actually see some truth and facts about what this movement is doing and how much they know about themselves. They have got some massive problems that everybody should be aware of. First off, uh, the trans movement must reject science. It must reject biology in order to exist. And this comes to us traditionally from the side of the aisle that is telling us they are the party of science. They are the the party of, you know, embracing science and biology, then you just turn around and say those things don't matter? And that is a huge problem. You, 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 you must base male and female on feelings, not on fact, and that is a huge problem. And that will lead to, I'll, I'll show you, that will lead to something later. How about this? Another problem, another trouble for the trans movement. The trans movement, I would say, is eating or will be eating itself from the inside out. Um, by seeking to erase gender roles, uh, they are actually undoing everything the left has been trying to do for the last 60 years, right? What was feminism built on? It was built on, you know, this is what a, a woman is. A woman is, is equal with a man. A woman doesn't, doesn't need a man to survive. And now we have, basically, trans uh, women beating women in everything and they're destroying everything that feminism has thought it has um, done, right? They are, they are arguing against gender roles, which actually is arguing against the homosexual movement. The homosexual movement wants you to believe that they were born this way. The transgender movement says, no, you're not born this way. You just do whatever you feel like. They're going to eat themselves from within, and that is what they are actually doing. Right now, I think they're not fighting each other like they should be because they're too busy fighting Christians. And they're, they're trying to focus on Christians and the right in order to keep themselves from fighting each other because they are just built to be at war with each other. And actually, I was listening to, to one commentator say that this is, this is, this is going to be devastating in the future. Someday in the future, we will look back on what we have done to kids and we will say, this is worse than the Holocaust. How did we ever let this happen? This is, going to be, this is going to be ugly. The trans movement is going to turn on itself, I predict. Uh, another uh, terrifying trouble facing the trans movement, the trans movement is behaving more like a social contagion than a true orientation. Now, what they would have you to believe, this is just the way I am. This is just the way humanity has always 
been. Uh, but there, there is some problems with that. For example, a current study from 2023, I believe, showed that out of high schoolers in America today, one out of four believe that they're somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. One out of four high schoolers. So you got 25% believe that they're somewhere in the spectrum. That is exactly about, that is about double, that is about double what high schoolers were saying about themselves only eight years ago. And so we've, we've had a, uh, a, m- a massive growth in those people that believe that they're LGBTQ plus whatever. Uh, so something suggests to me, uh, either, 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 okay, here's, here's this idea. So uh, for the entirety of human history, 25% of the total population has felt this way and just repressed it. That could be. Or we have a social contagion here where you're cool if you're a victim. And if you feel out of place in your body, you have an easy solution. And you have an easy identity you can just latch onto and, and find fulfillment in. And everybody's doing this when they're dissatisfied with themselves. And once again, I could have you raise your hands, but it'd be embarrassing. How many of you have struggled with yourself, with the way God made you, right? You could probably say, yeah, it's called puberty. It's like I'm just confused about everything right now, right? And, and, and yeah, of course, teens are going to just jump on anything that gives them some sort of stability, hope, peace, right? But, but the, this data suggests that it's more of a, a social contagion. Everybody's doing it because everybody's doing it, and you're cool if you do it. There was, you know, Chris Johnson at summer camp taught on, you know, what to do if the only people that are cool are those with a letter, right? Well, how do you live in a world like that? It's, it's, this sounds more like it's just cool to be like this. By the way, this is also how the Romans 1 societal collapse happens, right? When, when people just start kind of doing this, they cycle down and down and down. Another uh, terrifying trouble of the trans- transgender movement is this movement is targeting allies and converts at their most impressionable part. They're, they're really, it's really a movement that's targeting kids, and it becomes more and more apparent as you see what public schools are teaching you, right? They're targeting you because they want you either to be their ally or they want you to be their convert. And that's a, that's a terrible, terrible place to be. You're targeting children. Or here's another uh, terrifying uh, problem, a, a, a trouble with the transgender movement. Uh, the trans movement, I would say, when you read the data, actually, when you read the research, is flying blind. They say this will make you more happy if you have these surgeries, but they actually have zero studies to prove that this makes you happy. Matter of fact, there is, there is only one study. It's significant. It's significant in, in kind of telling the reverse of this. But once again, what are they telling you? The, the warning, the fear that parents have with, with students that go through this is like, man, if I don't accept them the way they are, they're going to be suicidal. But actually, a study from Sweden, which happened over 30 years, it was, a, it was a controlled study over 30 years, it was called Long-Term Follow-Up of Transsexual Persons Undergoing Sex Reassignment Surgery, that's basically what they do, this is a long-term follow-up, and it asked the question, did their, their, their surgeries that changed their outer, their outer body, did that actually lead them to be less suicidal? And actually, the study found that not only did it not improve their mental state, their suicidal ideation, their, their, their thoughts about harming themselves, it didn't, not only did it not improve, it seems to increase their suicidal problems. 
That's, that's the study that we actually see. But, but the trans movement, they would, they would attach themselves to all of these studies, and, and you, could, you could easily see um, they don't actually have much. They're actually flying blind. They're assuming, they're assuming that these things would work. Why are they assuming that they'll work? Once again, going back to the true you, if my self is telling me something about me, it must be true. If, if I am telling me I need to remove certain organs from off of my body, then it must be true. But there's actually zero study to back it up. Matter of fact, it could be argued that our whole generation is just a lab rat. And we're going to see in 30 years what actually happens of all of this. I could show you a few examples of people that have actually gone through it, and it's been brutal, and it's been horrible for them. But once again, it seems as though the trans movement is just plowing forward blind because they refuse to be wrong when studies actually suggest the other way. Here's another problem, another trouble for the trans movement. The trans movement is rushing, rushing people towards irreversible surgery. Now they may say, and you could read doctors who say they're trying to move slowly over a 10-year process. But the, the, whole, the whole idea is if, if you want to change your gender, you need to do it fast and you need to do it early. You need to quickly get on hormone therapy. You need to quickly do these surgeries in order for, in order for the, the outcome to be the best for you. So you need to do it early. So they have to, they have to, they have to attract you when you're young. And they have to press you with all sorts of questions. Hey, are you a boy? Do you like playing with Barbies? You must be a girl, right? They, they, just based on little information alone, a boy likes to wear dresses or something like that. And they say, you must be a girl. And then the parents put them, I don't know, there's all sorts of comments about the parents' hearts in this, and I won't get into that. But then the parents rush them to put them on hormone therapy. They rush them into surgery. And then you have irreversible, irreversible consequences for the rest of your life. Because you believe in yourself. Yeah, so it's, it's rushing people towards irreversible surgery. I think that'll, be, that'll have massive consequences in the future. But here's, here's another big red flag and a big problem for the transgender movement. The trans movement is motivated by some sketchy means. Or you could say some red flags. Oh, why are they doing this? You could argue, uh, Scott Nugent actually argues he's he is a she, a transgender man who used to be a woman who transitioned, who was in the uh, What is a Woman documentary. And he would argue that it's actually all about money. And this is how he makes the case, how she makes the case on her website. Uh, why are they pushing younger people so, so much? One year of hormone blockers for an adult will cost you about 4400 Dollars. That's, that's just the hormone blockers. We're not talking about surgery. $4,400, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So there's, there's value in, in adults transitioning. But listen to one year of hormone blockers, the same medication. If anything, there should be less medication. For children, over a year's period, costs $52,258. Tell me this is not about transiting the kid for money. Kids... Kids, you get more money from hormone therapy for a kid, not an adult. How can you tell me this isn't motivated by money? Something does not add up. They're, they're seeking you young, yes, because that's where you need to make the decision quick. Otherwise, you can't have the most success. But then they're charging, they're charging 10 times more, even more than 10 times more, for the basic same drugs. Why is that? Sounds to me like greed. Sounds to me a lot like greed. And that leads me to my last problem, 
this is one I just kind of thought through well as I was thinking through this movement. If you think about it, and this is just my view, the trans movement can't deliver what they promise. They can never deliver you what they're promising. So if you're, if you're struggling today, you don't totally understand how God made you, you're, you're considering such things, just know this, the transgender movement cannot deliver you what they're promising. What are they promising you? They're promising you happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction based on becoming the opposite gender. But I would say they, they can't do that. They, they can't fulfill those promises. Why can't they do that? How can you become a woman when you don't even know what a woman is? How can you become a man when there is no gender? How do you determine what that is? How do you have actual satisfaction when truth is nothing? I mean, if you say to yourself, if I could just be a woman, what in the world is that? Will you actually have satisfaction in being a woman if there is no such thing as a woman, right? You, all you'll be is your version of a woman. That's all you'll be. All you'll be is your version of a man. But as you see in the pictures, you'll be, you'll be like a half, a half man, a half woman. You'll, you'll not really look like either. You'll be, you'll be uh, somewhere in the blurry middle. And, and I would say this to you, right? When you try to make uh, everyone special, when you try to make everyone a woman, nobody is. The very aspects of being a woman that God has given to a woman that makes her special is the fact that not everybody is a woman. And the very aspects of a man is because not everybody can be a man. And if you just want to just delude the water and say nothing matters, you'll actually have no satisfaction. You'll never actually be able to really take yourself seriously. You'll never actually have everybody in the world affirm you like you want them to because you'll never be the whole thing based on your definition or your lack of definition, however you want to say it. Because when you make everybody a woman, nobody is. When you make everybody a man, nobody is, right? You can't actually have it. You will not get what they're promising you. And I... And I'll tell you this, every time you disregard how God has made you and seek to define your truth in your own way, it'll ultimately always lead you to dissatisfaction and sorrow and greater depression, right? Going against God is neither right nor safe. That is always what happens. You, my friend, were made to not just be one gender or another, but you were made to be that gender in belonging to God. You were made to know and enjoy who you are through the satisfaction that you know God and he has made you the way you are. And you might not always understand it, but the most important thing is you belong to him and you are following him. You weren't just made to be a version of male or female. You were made to belong and know God. But the trans movement cannot actually fulfill what it promises. There's no study to back it up, I would say. But also, they, they can't. They can't make you what you want. You will always have doubts. You'll always have questions. You will never be satisfied. Never at all. That leads us to the last thing. Uh, truth from the Bible regarding the transgender movement. Now, I've talked in the past about, I've talked in the past about how change um, happens, how spiritual change happens. And I've already, I've already talked about that. I'm not going to really go into the nuts and bolts about how change happens. I'm assuming I'm assuming a lot of things about change, right? Change is not overnight. Change is not always easy. Change is not always automatic. But change does require 
the power of God. I'm, I'm assuming a few things about change, but I just want you to see what the Bible says really quick. Uh, but but just, just to kind of give you this kind of like framework for what the Bible says, the trans movement is the, a ver- the very contradiction of the gospel. It is the exact opposite of the gospel. You could compare it along the lines of the gospel all the way through and you see the trans movement holds to a opposite form than the gospel. You cannot believe the gospel and believe in transgenderism. It's just simply impossible. What do trans believes? They say, they say, believe in your heart. What does the Bible say? What does the gospel say? It says, deny your heart. It says, confront your heart. It says, reveal my heart to me, O God. It says, confess and repent from your heart to the truth of God. That's what the gospel actually says. Once again, what if what if your desires are just unnatural? Why, why can't we just say that? What if, just a crazy illustration that is so extreme that you won't even believe it, what if, what if you were attracted to chandeliers? What if you just said, I am a person by nature, my identity is that I'm attracted to chandeliers? Should we just embrace you in that? Should we just say, well, that's just who you are, you be true to you, and we'll be fine with that, and we'll just let you love who you want to love. Would that be loving to that person to say, you just pursue what you want? Or would it be more loving to say, do you think you might be wrong about a few things? Do you, do you think maybe you should think a little bit harder about the way the world works or how God has created people? And you think I'm joking, but actually there is a woman who is claiming to be attracted to a 92, 95-year-old chandelier, Right? Well, what if, what if your desire is unnatural? Shouldn't I be loving to confront and not affirm? That's just a question. Or how about this? What if your desires are dangerous? What if, let's say, for example, what if we treated all things like this? What if we treated all problems like this? What if we treated all body hate the same way? What if you had anorexia? Anorexia is uh, basically an anxiousness about gaining weight. It is obsession about weight loss. It's an over a power powering desire to lose weight and to look thin. Now this, this is a huge deal for many, for many, maybe even in this room this is a huge deal. The, the culture that we live in just obsesses with thinness and so many young women in particular are just obsessed. They have an anxiousness about it. Man, I wish I was just thinner. They look in the mirror and they see a much larger version of themselves than actually might even be there. But what if we said to them, what if we said to them, well, your inner you, how you feel about you, should be more important than the way you treat the outer part of you. Maybe you should just pursue any sort of medical uh, procedure you can to make yourself feel better about the outer side of you. Maybe you should just starve yourself completely in order to feel happy because if what's most important is you feeling happy, then we should just let you starve yourself to death. Is that loving? No. Doing Damage to your own body based on how you feel is not always good, right? We, we understand that it's a, hard, it's a hard topic, but right, that's not loving to someone who has dangerous desires. So let's just, let's, just, let's just realize this. Sometimes desires can be unnatural. Sometimes desires can be dangerous. Or how about this? What if your desires are even evil themselves? This is a book that I read a while ago. It's, it's from... It's called uh, The Devil in the White City. It's about a serial murderer who was patrolling the streets of Chicago back when the World Fair was happening there in the 
19th century or so like that. And basically, he was just uh, serial, killering, serial killing women, basically, for the joy of it. And when he was caught, he basically said, hey, I was born this way. He basically said, and this is actually a quote, I was born with the devil in me. I can't help being a murderer. Just as soon as a, as a poet can stop singing, can I stop murdering? What if the truth in yourself is not only strange, but also dangerous, but also evil? What if the truth in you is evil? Are you going to depend on you in a world that is so twisted within? That sounds like a terrible thing. Matter of fact, this is where the Word of God follows us. It actually warns us of this notion of follow your heart, be true to your heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says this, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can know it? Your heart is sick. And then Yahweh says, I, Yahweh, search the heart. I test the innermost being, even to give to each man according to his way. The Bible would tell you, don't trust your heart. You need to trust something outside of your heart, because your heart can deceive you. It can be dangerous, and it can even be evil. What does the transgender movement also preach? They preach that there's no genders. You can be whoever you want to be. But what does the gospel say? The gospel relies on a creator God who made the universe. And Genesis 1 tells us that he created man as male and female to be image bearers. Of all creation, God has given image bearing to humanity in two gender roles. Matter of fact, if you live in rebellion to your gender You are living in rebellion to God, and you are saying, I do not want to be an image bearer for God the way he made me to be. I think I could be a better image bearer another way. And actually, you see this in the Bible. The one place that the Bible kind of addresses a little bit of transgenderism is actually Leviticus 22, verse 5. This is where it talks about cross-dressing. And notice God's view of rejecting gender roles. Uh, Leviticus 22, verse 5. Oh, wait. Oh, man. I have the wrong reference. Does anybody know which one it is? <laughs> All right. Oh, man. All right. There is a place in Leviticus 22. This really adds to the, it weakens my argument here when I can't even find the reference. Sorry. But there is a place that you'll see really quick in Leviticus 22, I believe where God says a man shall not dress as a woman and a woman shall not dress as a man. And what are the reasons that God gives for that? It's because that is an abomination. That is rejection and rebellion against God. So, so even there, God said, you may pursue, you may pursue independence from the gender role of creation design, but that is an abomination and an act of rebellion against God. And you may say, what about the fall? Didn't the fall kind of change the whole image-bearing thing? Am I no longer an image-bearer now because of the fall? Well, the Bible actually does. Does hold up that you still, even in an imperfect way perhaps, but you still present the image of God to the people around you. Matter of fact, James 3 verse 9 says, uh, about the tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. So there still is a reference to the image and the likeness of God in mankind. 
And if you reject that, if you rebel against that, you rebel against God. But what does the transgender movement also hold? What does it also preach? Only by disregarding God, only by disregarding your gender, can you actually come to a place of euphoria, joy, acceptance, peace, happiness. But what does the Bible actually say? It says, when you reject God, you put yourself in a very dangerous, dangerous place. Romans 1 talks about fleshly lusts that disregard God. They exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible men and of birds and of four-footed animals. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their heart, to impurity, so that their bodies are dishonored among them. Dishonored is a polite way of saying they are disgraced. They are in a dangerous place. But lastly, the transgender movement teaches you that you must be this way. and You can't change the true you. Change is impossible, therefore you must just be accepting of who you are and how you ended up in this life. The whole trans movement depends on that, but the gospel says that the power of God is found in the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Notice, I'm not saying you just need to talk about your problems with someone or even me. I'm not saying my words will heal you of all of your problems. But I am saying that the gospel is the power of God to transform you. The gospel brings the power of God into your life. And it, and it comes through the preaching of the word. Or how about uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that's, that that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, or nor idolaters, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Notice, the gospel presents a picture presents a picture of all sorts of people who seem to have unchangeable conditions in their life. I I can't stop being the way I am. I am an adulterer. I am an idolater. I am immoral sexually. I am effeminate. I am a homosexual. I cannot change me. But notice, the gospel demands that you have a new identity, and that is a, I once was that, but I am that no longer. And that comes to you through the power of God. But notice the gospel also demands that you have a powerful new identity. You are now not known as just an old sinner. You are now known as someone who is in Christ, who is washed, who is justified, who is sanctified. Or to say it like this, right? It is an oxymoron to say, I am a drunkard Christian. It is crazy to say, I'm just an adulterer Christian. Say, that's just how I'm defined. That's the kind of version of Christianity I am. I I just like adultery a lot. You can't be a follower of Christ and like adultery a lot. And then the same thing goes for 1 Corinthians 6, 9, where it says effeminate and homosexuals. You cannot be anything other than a Christian. Not just pursuing heterosexual desires necessarily, but God calls you to pursue holy sexuality, which is in line with your gender. But the, the gospel is the power of God that enables such change to happen. Now, I have a great deal to say about the body, but I'm not going to until next week, because once again, that was just an introduction, and I'm sorry, I couldn't get 
to all of that. But what are some questions that you guys have? Any questions? Anything that I didn't touch on? Yes, Isaac. Nope. But that's close. Yes. Yeah. It's Deuteronomy. Thank you. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. I was so confused. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, yes, that's a very helpful thing. When somebody refers to themselves as a transgender woman, that actually means that they are a biological man. And if they say, I'm a transgender man, that means they're a biological woman. And it gets really confusing because then they also refer to themselves with pronouns that are different too. Uh, but that is actually what they're saying. But notice, they always have to refer to themselves as a transgender something. They can never be a man. It's never perfect. They always have to explain and explain and explain. Any other questions? Thank you for your help. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Deuteronomy. Look it up. It's crazy. All right, uh, let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us uh, with this message, even though it was really hot. I pray that these students would um, take away from your word the truth and the helpfulness of your truth. And I pray that it wouldn't just bring truth, but also bring hope. You are a God who understands our weaknesses. You are a God who understands our failures. But you are a God who speaks to us with glorious words of hope because you speak to us with your own eternal power. And we can look to you for hope in that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.